the fact that you don't really know what's going to happen and you don't have anybody in place, you know, or you don't know to have someone in place. So what are some of the things that moms can look for or their partner can look for? Some signs that they may be going through postpartum depression and they need to reach out. Oh, well, number one, if you're not feeling like yourself, people say this all the time. I don't feel like myself. Mm. If you're just not feeling like yourself, if you feel off, if you're irritable a lot, um, if you feel like you just can't cope, if you're, you know, even like you mentioned, you know, like you're not, you're going to lose a lot of sleep you know, in the per- the postpartum period. But, you know, if it's really impacting your daily function mm. and if you're really irritable, like if you're finding that you're having rage, kind of, if you're crying a lot or if you're feeling like you, you're not bonding with baby, if you're just not feeling it, I feel like if you're just mentally not there, you should definitely seek support and seek help. And there are so many things out there now. There's Postpartum Support International. Literally, you can go and find uh, postpartum uh, coordinators who volunteer to support moms and families all over the country. Mm. Um, yeah, you, you know, they, they volunteer, they, you reach out, you tell them what's going on. Some of them visit you in the home and things of that nature. And so there are resources out there. So even if you feel, if you feel like, if you feel emotionally not there, even if you feel like I can just, I can, I'm gonna suck it up, get mm-hmm. the support. You know, it's better to have the support when you can cope than trying to scurry to find support when you're about to lose it. You are listening to Unapologetically Mommyhood, where we talk the real behind the scenes of mommyhood and business through the eyes and experiences of other moms in business. First, we are moms, yes, but we are also women, bosses, and humans. Here we support moms on being confident, authentic, and most of all, unapologetic to who they are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Our identity isn't tied to just being a mom because we are so much more. Welcome to the mommyhood. This episode is sponsored by Thrive After Nine, a community and support system for moms who are coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs supporting each other in a positive, safe, judgment-free zone of other like-minded women getting things done to thrive in your home and business. To find out more, go to www.thriveafternine.com. You are listening to Unapologetically Mommyhood, where we talk the real behind the scenes of mommyhood and business through the eyes and experiences of other moms in business. First, we are moms, yes, but we are also women, bosses, and humans. Here we support moms on being confident, authentic, and most of all, unapologetic to who they are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Our identity isn't tied to just being a mom because we are so much more. Welcome to the mommyhood. This episode is sponsored by Thrive After Nine, a community and support system for moms who are coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs supporting each other in a positive, safe, judgment-free zone of other like-minded women 
getting things done to thrive in your home and business. To find out more, go to www.thriveafter9.com. Hello, 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 and welcome to Unapologetically Mommyhood, where we talk mommyhood and business unapologetically while embracing who you are as not just a mom, but as a human, because mommyhood is real. It's not all the giggles and cuddles you see all over the internet. Sometimes that ish hits the fan, and sometimes we mean literally. And we have our breakdown ugly cries too. So again, welcome to the mommyhood. Now today we are still talking self-love, but we're talking mental health for moms and more specifically during pregnancy and during and after birth. So we want to stress and emphasize knowing that it's okay to seek and get help during these times when you're going through significant life changes, physically, emotionally, socially, and mentally. It's not weak. It's the strongest thing that you can do. And today I have brought in perinatal wellness guide, also known as the the doula therapist of Golden Aura Wellness. And she helps moms and families through pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. So please welcome Nikita Pecan. Knew I was going to do it. Nikita Pecan. Hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, man, I'm so excited to be here. And I just love what you do. I love Thank how you encourage moms. <laughs> I'm excited and I'm excited to talk about this topic because I feel like people think it's so taboo and people don't know much about it. And the ones that do find it weak to need to go get help. And it's because it's been passed down generationally that when you ask for help and you seek help, you're wrong, especially in the black families. Like you don't go to, you don't see a therapist. Like you go to church, you talk to the elders, you know what I mean? So I really, okay. And because I feel like moms feel like they have to be strong, like that's, you're the mom, you're the protector, you're the caregiver. You have to take care of everyone, right? And because moms feel that way, I feel like they have it even worse to go and ask for help than someone who um doesn't feel like they have to take care of everyone you know what i mean so let's um get right into it so first because of what you do and because you help moms in all stages from pregnancy birth and postpartum i think that's amazing because most people don't know that you need help in all those stages they're all different and you've experienced some of the same emotions but a lot of different emotions throughout that process. So you have the reason why you got started in your story of your personal story of why. So can you take us a little bit there of why you decided to help moms in this particular area? Yeah, awesome. Like, so I've been a social worker for about over 10 years and I provided therapy so I really started out doing recovery work for like substance abuse and I thought that was my passion but you know in 2018 I had my daughter and I I'm from South Florida my family's Jamaican and I, I moved here to Mississippi and I learned while I was pregnant I learned that um, black moms 
were about four times more likely to die, you know, from childbirth related issues. And I, I was like, I don't want to die. <laughs> you know, I want to live. I don't want to uh, enter into childbirth and die. And so I, I got a doula because I wanted to live and I wanted to be able to birth my baby my way. And um, just the, just having a doula walk you along, you know, that journey, like answer all your questions and, you know, just, just make you feel safe and make you feel empowered. I felt, you know, because I think when you think of childbirth, most people don't believe that we can do it. Most people are afraid. Most people are like, oh, I can't do it. But having a doula actually helped me realize I my body can do this. I am made to do this. And so I felt empowered. And I was like, what is this? So I started being like an advocate for other moms who wanted to birth their babies their way. And I would just talk and talk and talk all about, you know, birth. And people started to kind of connect me to birth and inbox me and ask me questions about breastfeeding and labor and all those things and eventually you know as a therapist you know I'm like why don't I help moms in, in therapy and so I kind of zeroed in into the specialty of maternal mental health or perinatal mental health and I started focusing on uh, mothers who are dealing with postpartum depression anxiety and things of that nature and so I realized because I was on my journey to becoming a yoga teacher. And so going through yoga and even my own experiences pregnancy, I realized that when you become a mother and you go through pregnancy and the postpartum period, there is a bodily disconnect oftentimes. That's what happens. You know, you kind of disconnect from your body. You know, we have body image issues. We might feel insecure about how we look. And we're kind of disconnected. And what I learned through my yoga journey was the importance of connection to the body and how connection to the body actually fuels and helps with the healing process. And so I decided to merge those three components. So movement, um, birth work, and counseling and mental health. And so I'm just really passionate about helping moms, you know, connect to their bodies, their babies, the community from pregnancy and labor and the postpartum period. And so that's how I ended up kind of being where I am now. And part of it um, as well that you said is that you've been to that place already. So mm -hmm. you're able to help them from a personal perspective because you've actually mm -hmm. experienced it versus when people talk about something that could happen because they haven't experienced it, but they know that um, scientifically right. it happens, right? So can you talk right. a little bit about that? So, um, again, my, most of my work have been in recovering, like it, from addiction. I've never been a, what they will refer themselves as recovering addicts. I've never been in recovery myself. But I was really good at it. I was really good at um, counseling people in recovery. But I was always faced with, well, Nikita, you've never been rock bottom. You've never had a craving. You've never had to do that. And it made me feel bad 
you know, it made me feel like, okay, some people I can't get through to because they, they feel like I don't know, so I'm not equipped. Mm. And I've always had that struggle um, throughout my career, you know, trying to make people feel safe when they know that I don't know their struggle, really. Mm. I mean, I, I've sat in groups, ran groups, listened to parents and families talk about the disease of addiction. And so I understand it from that perspective. And I kind of look at it um, like the, the white person who actually, you know, honors and loves black people and who have walked alongside black people and seen what they've gone through, but never really actually knowing what it feels like to be black. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I think of when I think of me in recovery work. But it was fulfilling because I knew, I, I knew, I understood the pain. I just didn't understand the, I didn't understand the pain the way they did. And of course, you can you can do the work and never be, be an addict. You can do great work. But when I became a mom and I dealt with my own depression, it's something different. It's something different to know mm-hmm. how it feels because you live that. You know, when your clients are sharing, you know, I sit in my bathroom and I cry. You go back to a moment where you did that versus my clients in addiction where they say, you know, I did this and I did that. Um, I went to my AA meeting. You know, you understand it, but you can't go to a place where you were there. And that's what it is for me in my work in perinatal wellness. Like I've, I've dealt, I consider myself a postpartum depression survivor. You know, I dealt with a lot of depression, especially because I'm here um, by myself, essentially, you know, um, my whole life I've been an immigrant. I've lived the immigrant life. It was just me and my mom. She's a Jamaican immigrant. And so my whole life I have kind of been longing to go back to my uh, homeland. And so to experience that uh, while transitioning to motherhood, that's something that's really challenging. And so I can relate to moms who say they're alone. You know, I think moms who book me and seek services through me are those who um, recognize, okay, I feel comfortable that this person has actually walked that walk. You know, it's, it's different. Yeah, I, I get it. And everything you were saying about um, women being scared and not knowing if their body mm-hmm. could handle it and then having the doula and then the doula telling you like, this is what your body is supposed to do and your body knows what to do. You don't have to force it. And they take you on a completely different journey of what you thought it would be because you're frightened. You hear that it's pain. You feel like Mm -hmm. you're supposed to be screaming and yelling and crying. And part of that um, with the doula saying, okay, no, you just don't fight your body and you relax and you, you move into it. And most women don't have that. They don't have it. And um, part of the advocacy that I think with the doulas, because they don't interfere with the medical team, but they empower you to speak up. And I think one of the things um, from personal experience in um, going through birth and my first birth at the beginning of the pandemic, I had a doula. It was all set up. 
Um, I went to the um, birthing classes. I went to, um, I forget what it's called, but I went to the classes, right? But because of the pandemic, we didn't get to finish the classes, um, the hypnobirthing. We didn't get to finish the classes. Then the doulas weren't allowed in the hospital. Yep. And then inside of the hospital, everything was frantic, right? And you were Mm -hmm. alone, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And you were alone because you were only allowed one person to come. So if that person came in, they were your one person, whether they could make it back or be there for the birth or not, right? So it was like a, a completely different thing. And then that advocacy kind of went away because you didn't have that person empowering you, right? So I feel like if more people knew what, what, what their rights were, also know what their options are when they go into the hospital, I feel like a lot of people, especially us, don't know that you have Mm -hmm. options because I hear a lot of people saying, oh, they had um, students in, they had residents in, like it's the worst time of my life. And then I found out. I was a little lucky because my actual um, birthing team, which were my OBGYN and her practice, actually practiced inside of the hospital too. So they would stop by and check on me. So I didn't just have the regular hospital staff, right? They would stop by and check on me and they would let me know things. Oh, you don't have to have the residents in. Just tell them don't have the residents. Like they would let me know these things that I didn't know. I thought that they could just be in the room, you know, because it's a teaching hospital, right? right. So, right. but when you find out those things that you don't know and have somebody that you can lean on, it it makes a world of difference. And um, one of the things I want to touch on and ask you about is, do you think that if people knew from the beginning what was available, that the process would... I won't say smooth out, but the process would be a better experience for more, more mothers, you know, during pregnancy, birth and postpartum because they have the information. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, um, I think what I hear often is I didn't know I can do that. I didn't know I can do that. Like, um, I'm not advocating for drinking, but I had a friend who was like, we're out and she didn't, she just had a baby, like, it was like a month or two or think of, and she wasn't drinking. She wanted to drink. And I was like, why aren't you drinking? I can't drink. I'm breastfeeding. I'm like, are you breastfeeding now? (laughs) And she's like, no. I said, how long are you going to, how long until you see your baby? Oh, like four hours. Girl, you could you could have a drink. Like by the time you get to baby, that's gonna be out of your milk. People don't know. Like some that's just something simple. But people aren't aware of their options. They aren't aware of their bodies. Um, and it's something we hear a lot is I can't do that. Like I can't get up and labor on my um on my fours, all fours. I can't. Mm. And we have been socialized to believe the white coat syndrome you know that when a whatever a provider says go we don't realize that we can say no yeah we don't realize that we have the power to say no this is my birth i prefer this 
unless it's a medical emergency that's going to save your life and baby's life you have the option so there's something that we use this little acronym that we use to help parents um kind of assess intervention so we always say use your brains so B is for looking for the benefits. R is the looking at the risks. So this is what you're going to ask the provider. So B, what are the benefits of this intervention? R, what are the risks, you know, if I don't do this intervention? Or what are the risks of the intervention? Mm. A is what is something else I can do? Um, what's an alternative? I is what is my gut, my intuition telling me? And N is what if I don't do nothing right now? What if I do nothing now? Um, what if I wait it out? You know, so that's a really good model to use, you know, when, you, when you're faced with an intervention. Because what we're finding is people aren't aware of their options. And so they kind of just leave it up to the medical staff. And let's be honest, they're great great providers but there are also some providers who are human and get tired and they want to leave early and so they kind of push you mm. into getting a epidural or a c-section or whatever so when you have your options and when you're aware of these things you can kind of have a little bit more control you know no birth is going to be 100 percent what you envision no birth you know um even i had a home birth on my son and even that home birth process was not exactly what I wanted. I wanted to birth him in the water. I didn't. I birthed him on the toilet, on the floor. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's perfectly fine. That's how he wanted to come into the earth. Um, and so um, you just got to recognize your options and, you know, become aware you know, and I think doulas offer that for families. Yeah, yeah, yes. Because when when I came into the information, because at first, you know, I thought about all the options. And then I thought about, like, if I have a doula, that's just more support. Um, but, you know, because it didn't happen, um, it was like a completely different experience. But I experienced some of those things during um, during pregnancy, um, I had high anxiety at the beginning because of my past history. And then plus, um, I was considered at some point I reached a, the point to where I was considered high risk. Right. And so I had some anxiety at first. And then at a point when I was able to relax and the anxiety started to go away on its own because I was able to relax. And then I was ready, you know, with the hypnobirthing, they're like, you're going to be one with your body. And then that all went away. So then when I got to the hospital, it was a completely different experience because we didn't finish the class, but we also got thrown into an atmosphere where we don't have these people reminding you to be one with your body and to focus. And you have this other group of people that's more hurried and um, you can't relax. They're constantly in your room. They're constantly in your face, checking this, checking that. And it's like, can you please just kind of leave me alone so, <laughs> you know, so I can relax? So when we're talking about going through the birth and then moving into postpartum and that disconnect that happens, um, and sometimes, you know, where the depression comes in, where do you, where do you see um, 
where do you see the flow? Like the disconnect to what may become the postpartum depression? That's a um, great question. You know, I think when we look at postpartum depression, we have to consider a lot of things. We have to consider um, the person's history. It, was this person depressed before? Do they have family history of depression? Do they have um, trauma? You know, what are what are their um, what are their history? You know, what what is it that they have experienced before? Mm-hmm. Also, what what we have to realize is preparation. And planning is 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 important. Mm-hmm. You know, I think what happens in pregnancy, you know, we focus so much on the baby, which we should, we should, but we focus so much on the baby. Like for instance, like uh, we do, we do the baby shower, right? And what I discovered when I was pregnant with my son, my doula hosted what we call a mother's blessing kind of ceremony to kind of honor the mother. That's something that in the American culture we don't do. We do a lot of baby showers where we get mm-hmm. gifts, and it's not a lot of emphasis on the emotional well-being of the mom. And man, the blessing, the blessing, the mother's blessing ceremony is beautiful and it's needed. So we were so focused on, you know, going to the doctor and the baby, the baby, the baby. We neglect how are you feeling and a lot of mothers are really depressed and having a lot of anxiety during during pregnancy and they just they just don't think it's a thing you know they don't think that you can get depressed in pregnancy and so if you are experiencing depression that is a risk factor for developing postpartum depression you know and so when you don't have a plan, oftentimes people just think, okay, the baby comes and we'll figure it out. And baby comes and you're hit with all these emotions, this, 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 this need to adjust, and you don't know what to do with it. You don't know how to adjust because maybe it's your first child, maybe it's your second or third, and each child is different. Mm-hmm. And you're having, to do, you have, you're having to learn to adjust. And that's, I think that's one of the biggest challenges, you know, also like body image, you know, and this, the, the, the desire to snap back, that snap back culture, dangerous because moms, I find that moms are rushing to recover, rushing to snap back, rushing to look how they look pre-baby and you can, but you just got to realize this is a postpartum period and if you rush yourself you can hurt yourself mm-hmm. like literally if you rush yourself you can take a longer time to get to the place that you want to be yes and i can i can kind of attest to that because i think it was backwards for me and it was so weird because i was expecting i ordered maternity clothes and some I used, some I didn't, because I didn't gain that much weight while pregnant. And afterwards, um, while breastfeeding, they're like, oh, you lose weight while breastfeeding. I actually gained weight. So I gained weight after birth instead of before birth. And I was like, what is this voodoo? <laughs> like, like, how did this happen? Like, 
why am I gaining all of this weight post-pregnancy? You know what I mean? I was, I didn't gain weight during pregnancy. Like my stomach didn't get huge. And I was look, I was like, I kept asking my doctor, I was like, is something wrong with me? I was like, is something wrong with my stomach? She was like, she was like, no, some people just, you know, they don't, you know, get big. And I was like, okay, because my stomach, it never really, you know, got like out there. It was, it was, it was weird for me. And then later, um, while I'm thinking I'm going to be losing weight, I wasn't, and I just continuously gained weight. And eventually I was like, okay, it is what it is. But at first I had that on my mind. I was like, I'm gaining so much weight. I was like, I can't wear my clothes. My clothes were all packed away in the attic. Um, I actually stopped buying clothes because it was like, I'll buy something and didn't fit or it didn't fit in the right place. And I was just like, okay, whatever. I'm just not going to buy clothes. I'm going to wear my maternity clothes until, you know, I either lose weight or whatever happens. You know what I mean? So I just decided to wear the maternity clothes and it was what it was. But at, at the beginning I was like, man, like, why can't I drop the weight off? Or, you know, I gained a little bit of weight during pregnancy, but not that much. Um, so during the time though, um, when you were talking about like, um, postpartum, um, there were changes and a big change of being at home. And, you know, I had the whole idea that I was going to have somebody in the house a couple days a week to help so that I could, um, still work my business, still do things. And that didn't happen because of the pandemic. Like nobody was in the house. So it was just me the bulk of the time with, uh, a toddler and then the baby. And so it was a lot of emotions because, like I got no relief. I was up all night, up all day, up all night, up all day when he came home. And when he was in the hospital, I was going back and forth. So I didn't sleep much, you know, cause you don't sleep much because you're worried. You know what I mean? Cause he, he was born, um, at 31 weeks. So he was at the hospital for, you know, a few weeks. So then after being at home with him, they let him go home earlier than we thought too. So just throw that in there. They're like, oh, he's going to go home at 36 weeks. And he came home at like more like 34. So he was still small. And they're like, he's fine. He's eating. He's doing this. And he's like around 34-ish, 35 weeks. And I was like, man, I was like, well, he's so small, you know? So he still got the anxiety waking up, checking on him like over and over. (laughs) So it was a lot. And the fact that you don't really know what's going to happen and you don't have anybody in place, you know, or you don't know to have someone in place. So what are some of the things that moms can look for or their partner can look for? Some signs that they may be going through postpartum depression and they need to reach out. Oh, well, number one, if you're not feeling like yourself, people say this all the time, I don't feel like myself. If you're just not feeling like yourself, if you feel off, if you're irritable a lot, um, if you feel like you just can't cope, if you're, you know, even like you mentioned, you know, like you're not, you're going to lose a lot of sleep, you know, in the the postpartum period. But, you know, if it's really impacting your daily function Mm. and if you're really irritable, like if you're finding that you're having rage, kind of. If you're crying a lot or if you're feeling like you're not bonding with baby, if you're just not feeling it, 
I feel like if you're just mentally not there, you should definitely seek support and seek help. And there are so many things out there now. There's Postpartum Support International. Literally, you can go and find uh, postpartum uh, coordinators who volunteer to support moms and families all over the country. Mm. Um, yeah, you, you know, they, they volunteer, they, you reach out, you tell them what's going on, some of them visit you in the home and things of that nature. And so there are resources out there. So even if you, fe- if you feel like, if you feel emotionally not there, even if you feel like I can just, I can, I'm going to suck it up, get mm-hmm. the support. You know, it's better to have the support when you can cope than trying to scurry to find support when you're about to lose it. Trust me, that's the worst place to be. That's the worst thing to have to do is when you're in crisis mode and you're trying to find a therapist. Mm. Because that it gets really hard because you need something now and it's a process finding a therapist. So it's better to start early. You know, if you're feeling depressed in your pregnancy, start in your pregnancy. Start looking for a therapist, you know. Um, but I always tell people, if you're having any kind of emotional distress, discomfort, even if it's bearable, talk to somebody, you know. Get the support. It's better than nothing. It's better than getting into crisis. I have, I have two questions to that. Mm-hmm. One should they be looking for a specific type of therapist that can help with postpartum or perinatal or prenatal? You know what I mean? Should they be looking for a, a, a specific therapist? Hey, so I'm interrupting this video to tell you about this really amazing community where moms are supporting moms in a really genuine way to be a support system in not only your, only your life, but in both your home and in your business. What's better than being with a group of like-minded women who really care about you and your success? We're talking personal development, business development, co-working, networking, and just support where we meet you where you are. We get and we got you. Check out the Thrive After Nine tribe at www.thriveafternine.com. Now, back to the episode. Well... I like to look at it like this. If a therapist is a perinatal mental health therapist, they're a specialized therapist. Mm-hmm. If you are having heart issues, you would go to a cardiologist. If you are having, uh, I'm drawing blanks on all these different doctors, but if you're ha- like, if you're having issues with your iron, you'll go to a hematologist, like your blood. So if you're a postpartum mom, I definitely recommend that you see a therapist that specializes in perinatal mental health because I, as myself, have sought therapy with people who have no trainings mm. in perinatal mental health. And I, I'm, I expressed to this therapist, I'll never forget it. And it just made me go hard in how much I support my moms and create a safe space. I'll never forget it. I was telling her, now, mind you, I'm a parent in a pandemic, right? And I'm stressed out. And um, I, my baby, he was about like four months or so. And I had a toddler, just like you. Mm. And I felt like I was going crazy. <laughs> and 
and I expressed to her, I said, so I'm really going to lose it. You know, I can't deal. And she goes, well, you're not going to, you're not going to, you're not abusing your child, right? And I was like, whoa. You're fine. <laughs> um, Okay. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, I felt I felt judged, and I felt um, like it wasn't safe for me to, you know, share how I felt. Mm. And so, perinatal mental health therapists are trained to recognize that some of these, um feelings like you feel overwhelmed you feel like you're going crazy and having what we call scary thoughts these are very common and so we don't judge you for those thoughts we understand them and so whenever i think a lot of therapists who aren't trained this way they get nervous they just automatically say oh this person's gonna abuse your kid but really thoughts are not action thoughts are not facts and perinatal therapists are trained to help you with these thoughts. Yes. Yeah, so, King, what are some of those thoughts? What are some of those thoughts that are common that people may um, be apprehensive about speaking on because they may not feel like it's safe to say, they may not, they may feel judged and that people jump to conclusions? That is such a great question. Uh, and people need to have awareness on this. So some of the thoughts that moms and family would probably have is like, 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 what if I drop my baby or what would happen if I drop my baby? What if I just shake my baby or um, what if I just leave my baby in a train station? You know, stuff like that, that people would judge you for, you know, like, how could you, how could you think about that? Why would you think about leaving your baby in a station, you know? It's not that you want to leave your baby at the station, or maybe you do, because of how stressful it is. It may not be that you actually want to leave this child at the station, and maybe, maybe these thoughts are indication. These thoughts are indication that you need support. Mm -hmm. um, and so, recognize. I think it's a big relief when moms realize, oh my gosh, I'm not a horrible person for having this thought. You know, um, thought like how many times do we have really crazy dreams that really has nothing to do with how we truly feel? Mm. You know, thoughts pass by like clouds, and it, you know, it's a lot of times they're indication that you need extra support and and you need something. And so we help moms realize that your thoughts are not a product of who you are. It's telling you that you need something. You need nurturing which moms typically don't get because we're so focused on the baby and mom's mental health and her wellness is on the back burner. And that's never good. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it isn't. And 
You know, I think that when you are stressed and you're full of frustration, you just have thoughts. Um, because I definitely had thoughts of like, what if I just left? You know what I mean? Like just being in the house. And I'm not afraid to say that, you know what I mean? Just being in the house and it was consistent. It was baby crying, noise, um, no help, just no support because at the time we couldn't have anyone in the house. You know what I mean? Cause the doctors suggested against it. They were like, you know, you know, keep everyone away for now. And then, um, you know, we'll discuss it, you know, a little later, which I was thankful for because that stuff was spread in like wildfire. You know what I mean? So not having that relief that you thought you would have, and then not having that relief to say, okay, you know, when they take a nap, I'm going to rest because at most of the time you should, right? But most of the time you're like, well, I can just get this one thing done that I couldn't get done while they were woke. And then it's just really stressful. So I had the thoughts like, man, like, what if I just leave? Like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like I had that thought a couple of times and then, you know, what you were saying about sucking it up. I feel like as mom and as women, especially black women, like we have that thing where we're like, we have to be strong. We have to be the ones taking care of everything. And then we do suck it up. So what are some things that you can say to moms? Like, I know you said you, you provide a safe space for moms. So something that can encourage them to don't, to not suck it up and to say, okay, it's okay. Like to be like, to get help. Because I feel like you're strong when you ask for help because it's noted as weak. And when you actually do it, you're going against the grain. So what are some things that um, you can offer to moms to say, hey, don't suck it up. Actually get some help. I think for us to move from the strong black woman syndrome we have to hear this message over and over again because I personally believe that in black people, a black woman, we have to be strong or we feel that we need to be strong because it was a survival mechanism. Like I think of like slavery, you know, when, you know, maybe the husband was torn from mom and baby and, you know, mom and mom had to step up and had to be strong and mom wasn't allowed to break down the black mama slave you know wasn't allowed to break down because she had to be there to survive so that the next generation can be here and i think that is embedded in our dna mm. um it's passed down like you know our mothers and grandmothers always talk about generational trauma i mean generational curses but what we recognize it to be is generational trauma mm. And these things are actually passed down in DNA. This this is scientific. And so it's been a message for hundreds of years. It's been a message for hundreds of years that we have to be strong. We have to put ourselves on the back burner. But now we have the resources. We don't have to put ourselves on the back burner to survive. We want to thrive now. We have the space to thrive. And I think we have to hear this message over and over again. Number one, 
we have to hear it over and over again. We have to create the spaces like you, you're creating these spaces. Um, you're, you're giving voice to black women. And when we see that more often, and I think doulas are revolutionary, even though doulas are not new, mm. it's revolutionary because when you get a doula, you're empowered and you then have a voice. And when you have a voice, you recognize your needs. And when you have, when you recognize your needs, you voice them. And you realize that you have a tribe. And so, you know, I would just, I would just encourage platforms like this to keep spreading the message because that, I think that's the only way the, the, the psyche will shift when you continue to hear that message. Because how many times are there people who are so gorgeous and they just don't see it? Like, what are you talking about? Look at you. Have you seen yourself in the mirror? And they just can't see it. It's because of the messages that they have downloaded and held on to all these years. So I think the number one thing we need to be doing is continuing to spread the message, continuing to normalize asking for help, continuing to normalize mental wellness. And then it will start to stick. If we see a mother who's struggling or may seem to have it together, we need to be the ones to reach out. We need to say, no, 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 how are you for real? No, 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 I don't wanna, I don't wanna hear the, I'm fine. No, really, how are you and how can I serve you? I think if we start doing that, we'll see a difference. We'll see more people ask for help. It, we will get back to a place where it's normal to lean on each other because we were in a place like that before, but we're in such an individualized society and not a collective society that we just hold on and try to suffer alone. I know I'm guilty of that. Mm. So we just need to reach out to each other and we need to keep this message and continue to normalize mental health. Yes, yes, yes. Whew. These are some of the things that I thought of, think of a lot. Like, what if I would have known this before mm. that you should, you know, get like, even if you don't feel like anything is wrong to, like, go ahead, get a therapist, you know, during pregnancy um, and after pregnancy, because you just, you just never know, you know what I mean? And even if you feel like nothing's wrong, it's still good to have that extra support and that extra care. Um, and one of the things that um, I did hear you say, um, you talked a little bit about, and I kind of want to get these couple of things in because I think it's really important um, for um, soon to be moms, moms, uh, moms, soon to be moms and those thinking about being moms to know about um, the birth plan. Like, why is that birth plan important? What are some of the things that um, are included in a birth plan that help you along the way? Like, why is that important? Like you may have a birth plan and not a well thought out one, or you may not have one at all. And you're just like, I'm just going to wing this, which I don't, I do not, do not suggest that you do that. <laughs> don't do that at all. Um, but what are some of the things that are important about the birth plan? So the birth plan puts you in a space of preparation the birth plan does not prevent 
things from happening. I always encourage clients uh, to put in their birth plan a plan for a C-section. Although that's not what, typically when people are doing birth plans, uh, they're not trying to get a C-section, you know? Yeah. Um, but plan for a C-section because in reality, special special circumstances arise where emergencies happen. And if an emergency happened, you want to already have some kind of idea of how you'd want it to happen. Like a lot of people don't realize that there are things called, what is it called? Family-centered cesareans. Um, I see doctors, there's some doctors, I forgot where they are. There's some doctors who allow the mom to take the baby out. You know, when they cut in the baby, they bring the baby and they get to deliver their own baby. Isn't that empowering as a C, you know, C-section? So there's so many things that you can do to, to make the situation a little bit more connected. Mm-hmm. So the birth plan puts you in a place of preparation. It's not a prevention guarantee, but it, 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 it really is important because research shows that your birth income is very much linked to your relationship with your provider. You want to be ahead. You don't want to just go to your, to your, um, your doctor's appointments and then show up for delivery. You're not going to just show up to a marathon. You're not. You're going to prepare. You're going to have a game plan. You know, we just watched the food Super Bowl. I'm sure they didn't show up to the Super Bowl without a plan, right? They, it would have been a mess. <laughs> so just like people won't show up to the Super Bowl without a written plan, they literally have a written play. And I don't know a lot about football, but I know that for sure. Mm. Same thing with birth. A birth is a monumental experience. It is, a, it is an experience that will change your life. And so you want to be able to think about everything that can happen, everything that goes on in a birth, and talk about your preferences. Your birth plan is really about your preferences. So some of the things that you will probably cover in a birth plan is, okay, laboring positions. What are your preferences for how you're going to labor? Like research will show that labor on your back may not be as beneficial is laboring on all fours or standing up. So you might, you know, research that and say, you know what, I want to labor on all fours. I want to be able to walk around. And some providers will try to keep you on that bed. But if you have a discussion earlier and say, this is what I want in my laboring uh, room, it will give you a, a chance to be able to do that. Um, another thing that would be on your birth plan is all the interventions that medical providers can, you know, implement. So, um, do you want forceps, you know, or do you want to avoid forceps and vacuums? Do you, uh, want to avoid episiotomy? Some, some moms will put, or some families will put, uh, I would prefer to tear than have an episiotomy. And so it just really highlights all the interventions that can go on in the laboring room, your laboring experience. Do you want the lights dim? Do you want minimal people? Like you were saying earlier that people are coming in and out. You can put that on your birth plan. 
hey, I don't want people coming in and out. I want you to knock lightly and my doula will come to the door. You can you can put that in your birth plan. You can say, I don't want residents. <laughs> you can say, I want the lights dim. I want to be able to play music. I want to eat. So there are so many different things that you can put in your birth plan. There's so many samples out there and examples. Also, in your birth plan, you will put um, newborn care. Do you want to delay the cutting of the cord, which shows benefits for baby? Do you want to wait 30 minutes to an hour before um, assessing the baby? Or do you want do you want them to do all the assessments right there on your chest? Do you want skin to skin? Do you want just breastfeeding? You don't want to be offered formula or pacifier. So many things can go on your birth plan. And you have nine months to talk this over with your provider. So like going back to the question earlier, awareness, if parents are aware early on, you can actually work on your birth plan very early on in your pregnancy and actually have these conversations over all the the appointments that you're going to have with your provider. You have a lot of appointments in pregnancy. So if you spend that time going over your birth plan with your provider, they you will you will discover if they really are supportive or if they're resistant. And then you have the option to choose another provider that's supportive of your birth plan. So that's the importance of it. It helps you prepare. It gives you time to review this. And also it helps you determine whether or not your provider is supportive or not. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that um, being okay with switching providers because making sure early that your provider is very supportive of oh, yeah. your what you're thinking about and your style because I heard a lot from a lot of moms and a lot of women who um, birthed at the same time I did that um, when they were trying to find somewhere to birth and when they were talking to the doctors, there was a disconnect because the doctors thought, oh, I'm the doctor, so this is what it is, where I didn't have that same experience because I had a relationship um, with the doctor and she listened and she was interested in how I felt and that made a world of difference because I've had doctors who didn't listen, right? And were not interested in what you thought or thought that you knew your body, right? Because if you know your body and you're saying, well, this is what I'm feeling and this is what feels, this is what feels like is happening. And they're like, no, that can't happen. And you're like, finding out later that that was what was happening because you know your body and the doctor just wasn't open-minded enough to consider it, you know? So making sure to have a doctor that you are comfortable with, who is in alignment with you is so important um, during pregnancy because it's a time where you don't want people who don't agree with you because that's going to just cause stress. So I'm so happy that you said that and the birth plan sounds empowering. You said that it prepares you, but it also sounds empowering because you're writing down, this is what I want to happen. Aside from a medical emergency, you know what I mean? This is what I want to happen. And this is what's going to happen if there's no other reason why it shouldn't. 
versus them trying to tell you what's happening when you're the one paying them. <laughs> like, I, I don't think people think of doctors that way because doctors are the experts. You know, when you go to an expert, you're not thinking I'm paying them. Like I'm the one spending money. So it's a service versus, oh, they're in charge. They are not in charge. You are in charge, you know? And I think it clicked for me when I realized that I'm saying something to a doctor and they are dismissing it, right? That's when I began to realize like, look, you can't dismiss what I'm saying because you're not paying me, right? You're not here paying me. If you were paying me to um, give me this information, then you can tell me whatever you want, but I'm paying you. So you need to hear what I have to say. And there are some good doctors out there that will listen. Then there are those that they're the expert, right? Yeah. They're the expert. <laughs> so <laughs> they call it in the air quotes. They're the experts. So they feel like they don't need to listen to you. So um, that is so super important. And so I'm glad you brought that up because I think about that a lot. And so it changed the way I searched for doctors. It changed the way I yeah. got referrals for doctors because I had an experience and I said, nope, never again. And from then on, I made that change to say, these are the type of doctors I'm looking for. If the doctor doesn't fit, I'm going, going somewhere else because I got to pay these people money. So they're not going to not hear me, not treat me how I feel I should be treated as a person who's educated and can think, right? So um, that's really big. Um, something else that you offer uh, you do the birth, uh, pregnancy, birth, and postpartum as a doula. You also do the perinatal therapy and you also do the prenatal yoga and perinatal yoga, I mean. So my question is, what are some of the benefits of adding all of those things into your birth plan as well as your afterbirth plan? Because after you give birth, you should also have a plan because right. if you don't, um, it can go awry. It really can. Um, and I know that from having an afterbirth plan that didn't go yeah. as planned because he came early plus mm -hmm. pandemic happened. So <laughs> I really had an afterbirth plan that didn't go right. So what are some of those benefits of um, having all three of those things? So, yeah, one of the reasons that birth planning, well, postpartum plans is important is because you never know. A baby might come early. So what's your postpartum plan for if a baby comes early? And I think people don't want to face it because they don't want to believe that that could happen to them. I wasn't but prepared, what, so. Yeah. <laughs> and so it would be lovely if people would have plans, you know, if baby comes early and you have to be in the NICU. What is your plan? You know, who is going to, you know, stay in the hospital or the, what time how are you gonna because that's something that parents are thrown into like unexpectedly and so again the benefits is preparation uh the benefits is healing you know what kind of foods you're gonna eat you want to eat warm foods that is healing and recovering for you know help you recover um how do you want to handle visitors you know breastfeeding a lot of times people who are breastfeeding 
they don't realize that it's really challenging and they don't know who to call. So in your plan, you can actually have a list of lactation consultants that you can call right there instead of saying, oh my God, this is so hard. I don't know what to do, but you have that in your plan and you can have them on dial, you know, seeing a chiropractor. People don't realize that you can see a chiropractor in your pregnancy and postpartum and the baby can get adjusted. Um, but in the world? No, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, when my son, when I was pregnant, I was getting adjusted. I was supposed to have my chiropractor come to my labor and adjust me while in labor, but my, my, my husband forgot. So, um, I didn't get her in my labor, but I did get her postpartum and she's helped us ever since. Really, really important. Um, also, in a postpartum plan, you might want to include a pelvic floor specialist because sometimes people really have issues with their pelvic floor and you want to be able to have someone on dial so that you can go get assessed. You know, people have pains and all that and, it, and they're not realizing that it's because of the weakness in the muscles. You know, when you're pregnant, you release a lot of relaxins that kind of stretch your muscles and your joints a little bit more and in the postpartum period you're recovering from that and so you need maybe you need a little support so um when it comes to perinatal yoga though um movement is just so great people are not realizing that you can practice yoga in pregnancy you know prenatal yoga it's very good for your mental health number one it's very good for you know, labor, you know, a lot of them, a lot of the postures in yoga are really good for the laboring positions. And uh, many prenatal yoga teachers who are trained are also trained in like positions, like what are the best and optimal position for labor? Then you also have postpartum yoga so you can have the option of doing yoga with baby like mommy and me or baby and me and it really is a gentle way to kind of recover and strengthen your pelvic floor your abs your core all that so it's very beneficial for your mind and body and your spirit I love it because I wish I would have done some of those things because I feel like I'm still having um, the back issues from what two years ago almost you know what I mean and um <laughs> I feel like you still can do it I was I was on the way there right I had the doula I had everybody and then it shifted and then it was like yeah. okay nobody's there like nobody's there and um you know so now that I'm hearing these things I'm like these are some things I can still do <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah. that that is you lovely. You see your chiropractor, you yeah. see the pelvic floor specialist, and you can go to yoga. Yeah. Yeah, because my back that right now, because I don't know if you see me keep adjusting in my chair, and that's one of the reasons um, of still that that unevenness unevenness in my back still because of when I um, went in and then. A whole mess of stuff. I don't even gonna talk about it, but a whole mess of stuff. But <laughs> the um, one of the things that I I did, and I just remembered because I was gonna ask you this um, when you were talking about 
you know, still being able to do stuff, how people think about postpartum is right after birth, but being able to get the services and the help and the information and the therapy or whatever, that postpartum is longer than right after you give birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People think that postpartum, the postpartum period is like maybe up to nine months or something. But it actually, some people will say up to a year. I don't believe it's up to a year. I have a two-year-old and I feel like I'm still postpartum. Because really and truly, you can still be breastfeeding a, a two-year-old. Like, he, he's still kind of breastfeeding. Yeah, no, I'm still in that and, phase too, so yeah. yeah. And you can breastfeed up to, you can breastfeed a four-year-old. So you'd be postpartum too, too. So I think it just takes at least two years to get to a place where you're really, really strengthening and recovering really well or fully recovered. Um, so postpartum can go beyond two years. Mm. And some people believe that you're postpartum forever because <laughs> there's new phases every time. But I think just recovering from pregnancy to getting into like the school age, you know, phase, like it's it's more than just a year. It's more than just a year. Yeah. I I think it's more than just a year too. Mm-hmm. It feels like it. Um so I thought it was important for everyone to hear that, that postpartum is not just right after you give birth. Like there's some length Mm -hmm. and time on that. And if you get to a point, even if it's at six months, seven months, 10 months, and you're feeling like, look, I'm having a hard time. I can't do this. You can still get and ask for help. Um, That there's no time limit. You know what I mean? On getting or asking for help. There is no time limit. I'm repeating that. Um, Okay. at any point you feel like you need help, get help, ask for help. Don't let anyone talk you out of it because we have those people that therapy or help what you need help for. Like you're supposed to be able to do this. No, if you need help and you can feel it as a mom, your intuition is strong. And sometimes because we are in that phase of people shaming you for asking for help, we don't realize we need help. You know, so especially having like the people around you. So it's so important, like even if you're not the one right now who is pregnant or postpartum or thinking about being pregnant, but you're their partner, their Mm -hmm. mother, their Mm -hmm. auntie, uncle, cousin, best friend, whoever you are to them, watch for the signs, watch for the, the sign that they need help so you can tell them. It's okay to get help. It's okay. You know, encourage them versus um, letting them think that they shouldn't ask for help because they'll be considered weak. Um, so <laughs> we usually do a tool and a tip. Um, and so right now we're going to do a tool and a tip, but it's, the tool is going to be brief for me. The tool that I really want you all to utilize um, Nikita mentioned it earlier, I believe, because we, we've had a really great conversation. But I think that your tool for this week, along with what else we've been talking about for self-care, self-love, just taking care of yourself, is journaling. Keep you a journal, write, 
in your journal, no matter what the thought is, let your hands flow. Don't censor it. Just write your thoughts, write your feelings, and then revisit it. And when you revisit it, think about, do I need to talk to someone else? Do I need to get help? And just get those feelings out. It feels good to be able to get them out. Sometimes even talk them out. I know sometimes I talk it out into like the recorder because sometimes it feels good to say it and get it out. So what, whatever feels good to you. And now we have our expert for today. <laughs> and we're going to get a tip from her. So a tip that you can give the women, the moms, the moms to be out there, one tip that you would give them um, that could help them with this journey. Oh man, one tip? Jeez. <laughs> well, this journey is rough, but I think I heard a therapist say, together we can go far. Well, they said, alone you can go fast but together you can go far so um i think one of the most evidence-based uh support for moms is peer so i think a, a, a tip would be to find a mom tribe and if you can't find one create one because somebody else is looking for that <laughs> yeah mom yeah. tribe and and you have to make sure that your mom tribe is supportive and they're not negative or, well, wait till you get to teenage years. Make sure it's a supportive tribe because mm -hmm. you don't want to get around a bunch of people who's going to make you feel bad. <laughs> so you want to make sure to get a supportive mom tribe who uplifts you. I love That's that. That who uplifts you, who's supporting, who's positive a safe space. I love it. Whew. So this was a really great conversation and this conversation needs to be had more often so that women and moms can hear it more often. Because the more often you hear something, the more likely that you will listen and you will possibly move forward in taking action. So if you need to, <laughs> Just listen to this again and again and again until you feel comfortable to move forward if you need help and also be able to reach out to someone. So now I need you to tell everyone where they can find you out here. Yeah, so you can find me on my website. I do offer um, coaching for moms and counseling for moms who are in Mississippi and Florida. And now I'm, now I'm, you know, open up in Florida as well. So if you're in Mississippi or Florida and needing um, counseling, you can visit www.goldenaurawellnessms.com. That's golden, G-O-L-D-E-N, aura, A-U-R-A, wellness, ms.com. You can follow me on Instagram uh, at the.doula.therapist. And you can also follow the practice, which is um, Golden Aura Wellness as well. Uh, 
just find me there and and connect with us you know I'm, I'm always sharing content on Instagram and I mean I love to connect with people and I, I love what I do I'm passionate about it and I look forward to serving moms in Mississippi and Florida and other states as I get licensed <laughs> Right. And thank you so much for joining us. And again, you can follow her at the doula therapist, which is right there under her name, the dot doula dot therapist. And also go to her website at golden aura wellness, MS golden aura wellness, MS, make sure you put the MS <laughs> and, um, see what she has to offer for the moms in Mississippi and Florida as well as follow her Instagram. It's popping. Like, I love her Instagram. It's so inspiring and it's so peaceful. I love it. And interesting too. I find it to be interesting. <laughs> so uh, thank you all for tuning in today in the mommyhood. We've talked a lot of mommyhood. We talked a lot of self and personal development, self-care. We didn't talk business today because this series has not been about business as much. We are more focused this month of self-love on you taking care of yourself because if you don't take care of yourself, your business is going to suffer. Your business can't do well if you're not doing well. So thank you again for joining me this week and come back and see um, the mommyhood again next week. Thank you. Bye-bye.